You've seen the movies. But you haven't read the comics? What? You think the comics are inaccessible? That's Steve Vinson. That's Paul Schultz. And we've got issues. Okay, so welcome to episode two. We're going to be uh, looking at, uh, I believe, Batman this week. Yes. So coming off of Green Lantern, Green Arrow from last week. So tell me, what's the thread going from Green Lantern, Green Arrow to Batman? And why this particular issue of Batman? First of all, I don't know if you noticed this, but they're they're written and drawn by the same duo that did the episode of Green Lantern, Green Arrow. I did not notice that. This one's a lot better drawn, I will say that. <laughs> There's no substitute for experience you get really good really fast when you're working constantly and neil adams was working constantly back then and developing a style but why why i picked batman number 232 which came out in 1971 which is a year after the green lantern green arrow story is because everybody seems to love batman everybody knows batman's story so batman as a character, is extremely accessible, which is what we're going for here. And if you want to hook a reader, this is a great issue to do that with because, like I said, everybody knows who Batman is. And the pro- one of the problems when you're dealing with a character as old as he is, because he came out like in 1938 or 39, somewhere in that ballpark, is there's so many stories, there's so much history. But you don't need that because nowadays Batman is like in our subconscious. So if you want to be like a, if you want to read something new or bring a reader in, why not bring them in with a, with a brand new villain? Because Batman's rogues gallery, all of his villains are as old as time. So Denny Neal and Neil Adams and Julie Schwartz cooked up Rachel Ghoul. And you get to see the introduction of a brand new villain. And this story also takes Batman away from, like, it starts like a, a more serious story arc for him and sets the tone for Batman stories you know for years to come and it also spotlights something that a lot of people nowadays don't remember about Batman particularly people who like the movies is Batman was known as the world's greatest detective second only to Sherlock Holmes who in 1986 he actually met so in this story he's actually using his detective abilities and that's something that's rarely seen today. So I think, in a nutshell, that's what makes a good place for somebody who doesn't read comics but likes Batman to start because they get to see how he used to be. And because of the way it's written, in spite of the clunky tech that in his Batcave and whatnot, the story is timeless. It, it's, a, it's a high adventure mystery story, and you can plop it in any decade you want, and it works. So let's talk about the story for a second. Okay. First of all, Robin is in this one, mm-hmm. and I maybe this is something comics just generally do, but they do they give some of Robin's backstory mm-hmm. in this one. Do they just normally do that, or is, is this Robin's first issue? Or oh God, no, he's been around almost as long as Batman has. But that's that's okay. the other beauty of this issue is, <laughs> in case you've been living under a rock for eighty years and don't know who Batman is, in like a page you get Batman's story. Yeah, you get Batman's origin story, you get mm-hmm. Robin's origin story. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And you also get the pieces of why he's a detective. Mm-hmm. And I think DC, doesn't DC stand for Detective Comics? Like, wasn't that the original? Or is it District of Columbia? 
No, it DC Comics, which is like saying Detective Comics Comics, took its name from the original comic book series that Batman was in, which was Detective Comics, but up, because up until Batman's first appearance in like 38 or 39, somewhere in that ballpark, it was literally a detective comic. They had a couple of reoccurring private eye stories, those kind of stories in it, and then Batman got plopped into it and became the primary character in that series. And I think two years later, the Batman series actually started, which is what this is part of. So yeah, Detective Comics, or DC Comics, took its name from Detective Comics, which was the the flagship title or whatever of the Batman. <laughs> it's funny, that's what I thought I said. Um, <laughs> so two things you need to know about this particular uh, issue in my version that you can hear me rustling with. Unlike last week when you were folding the pages back and driving me crazy. It's part of the patina of the show. <laughs> You're lucky it's a reprint. Yeah. <laughs> so this one is a different kind of reprint. This one strives to be faithful to the original. Yes. So it has the original cover, and it's great. The artwork is pretty awesome. Yeah. The other thing they did is they put the original ads in here. Yeah. Which was great because this came out in 1971 mm-hmm. and the things things changed slower back then. <laughs> so by the time we came along and we were like kids reading books and whatever, mm-hmm. uh, comic books or Cracked Magazine or whatever the case may be. Or what was that? I used to get this catalog because I ordered something out of a, the back of a Cracked Magazine one time. And then from then on, <laughs> I got their catalog over and over was that your get? Was that the catalog that had like all the gags and stuff in it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you were famous for those. <laughs> <laughs> I love that stuff. Uh, so it has all that in there. It has has the ads and things, which is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Gives you a little slice of history. So the story is, it just it opens with Robin getting shot. So you can't do better in a story than having the first page be something dramatic and shocking, right? Yeah. So Robin gets shot. We don't know if he's alive or not. Batman gets a a note. Dear Batman, we have Robin. Save him if you can. So, of course, he springs into action. Mm -hmm. He goes to the Batcave, and shockingly, when he's in the Batcave, someone else is in there with him. And it's this guy, Ray Al Ghul. Yeah, Ray Al Ghul, yeah. And apparently there's a backstory. Apparently, Batman had come into contact with his daughter yeah um in some previous issue and that's one of the great things about comics i didn't really realize is they'll just go ahead and put that in there like just in case you don't remember or didn't read that issue yes god bless editors uh this guy's daughter was kidnapped previously and batman saved her Uh, yeah so rachel ghoul's got this i don't know i think he would be played by the guy that played jaws (laughs) in moonraker richard keel richard keel i think he'd be played by Although he is bald, so maybe Yul Brenner. Or that guy in, in, in Raiders of the Lost Ark, the, the Nazi that Indiana Jones punches, oh, yeah. you know. He gets chopped up by the airplane. By the coolest plane and that never was. So what's cool, it, it's cool, and it would have been even cooler back then because we didn't realize it was bullshit, is when <laughs> Batman puts the note in his computer. The computer's like, oh yeah, there's some dust on here that's only uh, only exists in this in Calcutta. So this note had to have been written in Calcutta. I'm like, <laughs> I don't know what machine could do that, but that's awesome. <laughs> it's called the Bat Computer, man. It can do anything. 
or as I like to call it, the bat pewter. Which reminds me of another thing. Remember all the gifts and stuff that you would buy on 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 uh, commercials and in magazines and stuff <laughs> were made out of pewter. Yes, yes. I'm like, I don't even know what pewter is. Is that a real thing? Like, buy this replica of, you know, the Lusitania made from genuine pewter. <laughs> I never remember seeing pewter on like the periodic table. Right. Pewter. It's P-W. <laughs> P-W. So where was it? Oh, they go to Calcutta because only the bat pewter told them they must be in Calcutta. Goes to Calcutta. Hey, spoiler alert. Right? <laughs> we find out that Robin's backstory is that his parents were acrobats. Mm-hmm. End up getting killed in a tragic circus accident. And that somehow makes him mad enough to become a superhero. I'm like, dude, it was an accident. I mean, Batman's parents were murdered. So he wants to fight crime to, to exact revenge on criminals everywhere. And Robin's like, oh, my parents died in a circus accident. Well, two things. One, I think that was initially designed so that Batman basically wanted to give him like a focus in his life because... You know, when you, you're you're young, you have no control over something, and it happens, and you could go either way. Yeah. But then, later on, it was retconned that somebody actually sabotaged, so his parents did get killed. That's what I was thinking. You know, they were, they were, they were murdered, essentially. Yeah, somebody should be back there with a knife cutting the... Like, he should, he should find the rope and look at it and, and see that clearly it was cut. <laughs> this rope was cut. This didn't break. It's like brake lines. Like back in the day when you used to cut people's brake lines to murder them. Yeah. Like you could go, you found the car that blew up and burned to a crisp, but you could find that brake line. You could say, this brake line's been cut. (laughs) (laughs) Or it always managed to run out of fluid right when you were on like a treacherous turn on a cliff. Yeah, the brakes worked fine (laughs) for half an hour. (laughs) Several miles, you know, until you got outside (laughs) right on that treacherous. That's when it would run out of fluid. But anyway, so Robin's backstory. We get Robin's backstory. That's good. Mm-hmm. Or origin story. Sorry. Yeah. Uh, let's see. So Batman tricks some dude into telling him. First of all, he ends up going into this place where, a, what is that? A, a jaguar or a leopard. A leopard. Yeah. So it's not a leap of leopards. It's just one leopard. Right. But this big dude keeps like, oh, you can't go first. My master has to go first. Until yeah. there's a leopard. Mm-hmm. It's like the dude knew there was going to be a leopard. Um, and then they find the next clue that says they need to go to the Himalayas, <laughs> which is a mountain range that straddles, uh, you know, India, uh, Nepal, Nepal, Tibet, China. They mm-hmm. go to the Himalayas. <clears throat> you know what I? What's interesting on page nineteen mm-hmm. when they're first climbing into the mountains? Mm-hmm. It's a beautiful scene, like it's a full page panel. Yeah. And it's beautifully done. It's way better than anything Bob Ross could do. <laughs> There's no happy trees. Very realistic. And the, in one of the cliff faces, and I don't know if this was on purpose or if this is me matrixing, it looks like a dude's face <laughs> in the side of the cliff. Yeah. no, I, You know, I caught that for the first time today when I was rereading it. Yeah. I, I, never, I never noticed that before. I don't know. Do you think that was on purpose or do you think that's just like a... Speaking as an artist, yeah, that was 100% on purpose. For a second, I thought, it's the Himalayan Mount Rushmore. <laughs> the reason I keep saying Himalayan is that's how the that's how the British say it. Doesn't that sound better? Himalayan sounds, sounds Midwestern. Yeah, Himalayan sounds better. So they go into the Himalayans, mm-hmm. um, get shot at, of course, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. 
And like the two dudes that he's with, like they somehow get separated. Batman beats up some other dude with a gun. Mm-hmm. And then Batman sees a helicopter and he's like, hmm, I bet I could guess who's in that helicopter. What I love about this scene is Batman's geared up in, you know, the best Gore-Tec winter wear that was available in 1971. He's in the Himalayas, 8,000 miles from Gotham City. Nobody would know who Bruce Wayne even was, yet he has to wear the mask. Because he's Batman. That is straight up comic book, dude. That's how it was. Yes. And I think, based on what I've seen or read or heard, I don't know where I saw or read or heard this, Mm -hmm. it's not done just for, like... uh, tug-in-cheek or anything but there's something about putting on a mask putting on a costume taking on an alter ego that was you and me dude was that us talking talking about spider-man was it yeah a long time ago oh (laughs) i stand by those words and they are sound words and it's uh one thing i read about one of the superheroes was how they they made the point and there's a subtle difference which is he didn't become the superhero when he put on the outfit right Uh he was always the superhero Uh the disguise was when he took off the outfit Uh and i guess you could put superman in that category right yep his disguise was clark kent that's from kill bill volume two a staple of the superhero mythology is there's the superhero and there's the alter ego batman is actually bruce wayne spider-man is actually peter parker when that character wakes up in the morning, he's Peter Parker. He has to put on a costume to become Spider-Man. And it is in that characteristic Superman stands alone. Superman didn't become Superman. Superman was born Superman. When Superman wakes up in the morning, he's Superman. His alter ego is Clark Kent. Jesus. I have no original thoughts today, do I? (laughs) Steve, it just means you're paying attention. The other cool thing about Batman is once he figures out what exactly is going on, Mm -hmm. I didn't get it at first. Like, I was like, what's going on now? Like, dudes are standing there holding weapons on him. Mm -hmm. And he just kind of walks up to him. He's like, whatever. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Whatever. He just, like, walks up to him and, like, takes their guns away. Mm -hmm. I thought... A, Batman's being a badass. Yeah. And or B, this is really lazily written because it seems like he would have to fight his way in here. But then you realize, no, he had already figured out the whole thing. He had it figured out from minute one. (laughs) He's like, they're not going to shoot me. Yep. (laughs) And then when he gets there and uh, again, spoiler alert, Mm -hmm. he gets there. he, He already knows what's going on and what is actually going on. And even though he knows what's going on. He beats the living shit out of the big tall guy. Yeah, Ubu. He's like, <laughs> he's like, I know this is all an act and you're just playing a role, but I'm going to kick your ass. Anyway. <laughs> so you've had this coming. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> so then the girl comes out and the dude, what's his name again? Rachel Ghul. Ghul. Which, by the way, is Arabic for the chief demon. Oh. Yeah. And uh, so his daughter comes out, the daughter of the demon. Yeah, Talia. Talia. Mm-hmm. And it turns out the, the entire purpose was this guy's daughter has a crush on Batman and the dude had to figure out if Batman was worthy mm-hmm. of his daughter. Mm-hmm. So he sets up this whole thing to have him fight leopards and climb mountains and mm-hmm. beat up the big giant dude. Yeah. 
It's like, all right, I guess you can marry my daughter. And I, yeah. I got to that point, and I was like, seriously? It's, it's a simple way to start a more involved, complex storyline. To get you hooked, to make you wonder, well, who the hell is this Rachel Ghoul guy? And what is he really up to? Yeah. Spoiler, he's nearly immortal. So he's like the Deadpool of villains. He's, he's way cooler than Deadpool. And then the question of, is she in on it, you know, comes up for me. The whole, what, what will happen next? Side note, Talia, a couple years later, plays into the first few issues of Black Lightning. Oh. Yeah. So a couple other things I loved about this particular edition. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the full page ad for the weird, like, sex dolls that you can buy and play <laughs> with. <laughs> At first I thought... Okay, is this an advertisement for another comic? What is going on mm-hmm. here? And it says, The Weird World of Aurora. Put together your own scary scenes with Aurora's fantastic monster scenes custom builder kit. So the mad scientist, the Frankenstein's monster is standing there mm-hmm. with various torture devices. Mm-hmm. And the mad scientist says, We need a girl victim for the experiment. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Like some scantily clad villain girl goes, no problem, doctor. And then the monster's like, no problem. (laughs) And they bring out this doll dressed in lingerie. Or is it negligee, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm reading this, like I was going through it in order. Mm -hmm. And it just says, there's a caption under it that says girl victim. And (laughs) (laughs) so they start, they put this girl in, this girl wearing her underwear mm-hmm. in a torture device. I still hadn't figured out what it is until I got to where it says, snap them together. No glue needed. Create your own scary scenes. Get Vampirella, Frankenstein, Dr. Deadly, girl victim, plus all lab equipment, eight kits and all. Get monster scenes, custom builder kits from Aurora, the world's largest manufacturer of hobby products. And then they show a 12 year old boy sitting there playing with it. <laughs> like with the girl victim's arm is off. Yeah. And the, <laughs> And then another, it looks like he has two girl victims because there's another one sitting there mm-hmm. that like the whole torso is off. Like what the hell is going on? Fun, fun fact, our mutual friend D had a couple of those. Really? <laughs> yeah, he had he had a couple, <laughs> thanks to his older brothers, he had a couple of those Aurora kits. See, the, the beauty of, okay, what, what you're holding in your hands is called, it's called the facsimile edition. Now, I don't know if Marvel has one. I know Marvel has this thing called True Believer, which is like reprints. But I don't know if they do facsimile editions or not. But the the DC facsimile editions, like you've noticed, reprint the entire thing. The only difference being a little bit of information in the blurb about when it, you know, like what issue it was and the cover price. But what... What is hilarious right now in 2019 is the idiot in charge of DC Comics can't figure out why the facsimile issues are outselling their current titles. <laughs> because they they have sex doll ads in them, maybe, for 12-year-old boys? <laughs> I think that might be part of the lure, but basically the, the lure is guys my age and older are buying these to relive issues they've lost, people younger than me, because like my stepson is buying them like crazy because he loves history. Bottom line is the story. These things are great stories, and they're not they're not doing that anymore. They're not they're not even coming close to what they used to do. 
Um, anyway, so it's good, good, good little trip down uh, memory lane there. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so this story, mm-hmm. my take is good story, very high concept, holds together really well. Mm-hmm. Shows off Batman's detective. I ca- I picked up on that. I picked up on because you've always talked about how like he's he's considered the world's greatest detective. And I was yeah thinking, yeah, I mean he does detective work in this, and it's. 34 pages with ads and with, mm-hmm. you know, lots of great art. Mm-hmm. So it's not like you could get into intricate plot twists and all that stuff, but they do pretty well. Yeah. With pretty tight little story. You know, they... Yeah. DC at that time was still doing like one hit wonders. Each issue told a complete story because they didn't, they didn't think people would want to read ongoing storylines. I'm not sure about that. But like last week when we talked about the Green Lantern, Green Arrow stuff, you know, it was one story per issue, but Denny O'Neill figured out how to tell an ongoing story with one-shots for each issue. Mm. This is a great little done-in-one. And it complies with the comics code. <laughs> and <laughs> that's another thing. We, you know, because again, you read this and some of the dialogue's a little clunky. And we always we always say things like um, reading, reading books from like 100 years ago and... Sometimes we get hung up on the way it's written and the dialogue that they use, and it's like it's the same thing with comics. You know, this is this book is 50 years old, <laughs> so the dialogue was a little bit different back then. You know, with what they could get away with and stuff like that. But I think I, I still think it's timeless. I think it completely holds up in 2019, as it did in t- 1971. I completely agree. So. We, you know, we started with a major turning point in comics where comics really get socially aware. Mm-hmm. And it, the question of what is a hero and what's a hero supposed to be doing mm-hmm. really comes into play. And then this week with Batman, we really jump in, as you say, uh, in a really accessible character. Everybody knows who Batman is, but do you know who he is in the comics and in back in the day? And this one really, this this was a great illustration of this is who Batman is, and it has all the great stuff. Now, next week, uh, we're going to get into Spider-Man, and this is where you think Green Lantern, Green Arrow was real, and it was. But next week, it gets personal, and tragedy strikes Spider-Man on a really personal, visceral level to the point where you really start to question, what is this really all about? What am I in this for? It strikes Spider-Man and the readers. You've been listening to We've Got Issues. We've Got Issues is written and produced by Paul Schultz and Steve Vinson. Copyright Big Broccoli Studios. Music by Eric Fulmer. For more by Big Broccoli Studios, go to www.bigbroccolistudios.com.